on some real shit. I'ma stand on my position. I've always been a man and never ran for my position. I've always took a stand to expand on contradictions. How you cancel Kyrie but not your Amazon subscription? Hmm. I'm from the base, so it's relevant. If we condemn him for the link, go after Bezos for selling it. I do not agree with his rhetoric, but we should scrutinize both guys, not just the side with melanin. Now we about to take another elegant. It's costly when your gene pool is out of pocket. They relish in every misstep we take abrupt. So you can understand it takes less than four quarters to break a buck. Lavar Burton, we all searching for proof. Get caught with a black thought and they strangle you by your roots. They dangle this by noose. If you knew better than you'd measure misinformation from truth. Not with the news feathers. They have to bait you in order to aggravate you. Continue to sell trust and tell you they advocate you there's only two ways we get to re-success either promote death or let them put you in a dress we kill each other because we focused on the bands buck shots and take off and fans posted on the gram self-inflicted violence desensitized from homicide drama brings viewers and viewers create dollar signs you know how much this country loves narcissists we deify stars and prayers to feed a pharmacist prescription drugs pop music is well kept we medicate our kids these rappers become the sale reps and the active ingredients is obedience instead of microphones and the styrofoam there's lenience we hypersexualize the naive get them high and high v intent and the bpm is the medium we all should be accountable for slander keep the same tone for those with it welcome back to the professor penn podcast david penn here episode 62 Prayer for Chan. This is Prayer for Chan, episode 62. Hello, Chan. This one's for you. We're Free People Radio. That's truth-seeking media. Truth-seeking. I was talking to a beautiful child of mine, a daughter that I love, and uh, we got into a conversation about uh, the nature of data and the nature of truth. And I like to say this in, in every episode. I'm truth-seeking. We're truth-seeking. We're truth-seeking. Let's start there before anybody jumps up and says they know what the truth is. Let's seek the truth together. TireGet.com. TireGet, our sponsor. All the tires you need for all the vehicles you have. Uh, The price is right. A lot of American-made tires. Service at your local tire dealer. You buy the tires online. We ship them to your local tire dealer. They put them on for you. It's 25 bucks a wheel. The deal is right. We got great customer service. And guess who the customer service manager is? That'd be Professor Penn. So please join the TireGet family and thank you very much. PrecinctStrategy.com. PrecinctStrategy. Dan Schultz has given us a tutorial on how to get into the game of politics. There's a blueprint there to become involved in a party. That one's canted towards the Republican Party, precinctstrategy.com. But if you join the Democrat Party, Professor Penn wouldn't be mad because what we need is American citizens to realize that the parties are really one party, a uni party. You know, a uni party, they work in lockstep. It's political theater. If we're going to protect our lives and the lives of our children, like my beautiful daughter who I spoke to yesterday, if I'm going to protect her life, We're going to have to reintroduce into our political culture a choice, not the illusion of choice, not the illusion of choice, but a real choice between two different ideologies. Let's have a throwdown. Let's see who's got the best story, the best pitch, the best program. Let's not get caught up in theater. 
This is for Chan. Uh, we had a, a week last week where I said I wasn't going to pray because I don't want to be pigeonholed as a, as a preacher podcast. And, uh, you know, I, I do watch the live chats and I do look at the uh, feedback. And I had a lot of people that were uh, not happy I didn't pray. And I say to those people, well, there's a lot of folks that I would like to watch that maybe haven't yet discovered their connection to the spiritual realm. And we don't want to off-put anybody. We're fishers of men. We are an evangelical sales organization. And what are we selling? Truth-seeking, a country, borders, and well-being for the American people. What we're really concerned about, what I'm concerned about, let me speak for myself, excuse me. I am concerned about all the policies that our country pursues and that every politician that we elect to represent us, that everyone becomes united on human well-being. And a big part of human well-being is human freedom. And we have a constitution, and we have a declaration, and we the people are granted certain unalienable rights by a creator. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are very important ideas, and these ideas are ancient. So I want to say that um, for those of you who um, were unhappy that I didn't pray, I want us to all think about all the millions of American citizens that have been conditioned to believe that there is no God, they're hopeless, they're miserable, they're atomized, they're on psychotropic drugs or they're self-medicating, they're seeking psychological services, because they're lost, they're alone, they see no purpose to this. Or as the existentialist philosophers brought forward to us, there's no reason to any of this, and there's no reason that there is no reason. There's no meaning to any of this, and there's no meaning that there's no meaning. That's where most Americans are living, in a hopelessness. So let us remember those people and try to tease them back into the community of faith because they resist it. Everybody wants to be right after all. Well, let's, let's listen to a long prayer. I'm going to make up for um, not reading last week. Chan, this is for you, brother. <clears throat> Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrongly. For like the grass, they will soon wither away. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn away from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. 
but the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he knows, <clears throat> excuse me, for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose ways are upright, but their swords will per- pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked, for the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care, and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster they will not wither. In days of famine they will enjoy plenty, but the wicked will perish. Though the Lord's enemies are like the flowers of the field, they will be consumed and they will go up in smoke. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Those the Lord blesses will inherit the land, but those he curses will be destroyed. The Lord makes firm the steps of the ones who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young, and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. Wrongdoers will be completely destroyed. The offspring of the wicked will perish. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouths of the righteous utter wisdom, and their tongues speak what is just. The law of their God is in their hearts. Their feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, intent on putting them to death. But the Lord will not leave them in the power of the wicked, or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Hope in the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are destroyed, you will see it. I have seen a wicked and ruthless man flourishing like a luxuriant native tree, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless, observe the upright. A future await those who seek peace. But all sinners will be destroyed. There will be no future for the wicked. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Psalm 37 for my friend Chan uh, and for all of us. It's a long psalm. It's a psalm of David. It's a very important uh, tradition. And if you play that back, or if you go read Psalm 37, you'll see that David, in the line of Abraham to Moses to David to Jesus, was David was talking about the meek inheriting the earth before Christ talked about it, because Christ came to fulfill the law, not to overthrow it. Jesus was a Jew. So for all the Jew haters that are watching in, coming in, remember that Jesus was Jewish. All the apostles were Jewish. This is a monotheistic tradition that finds its roots in Abraham. The division into two political parties, Jewish and Christian, hey, 
Works well, doesn't it? Shias and Sunnis, Democrats and Republicans, globalists and nationalists, all these divisions divide the people one from the other. Who are we? Really, are we sitting at the hundred billionaire table with our stack of chips, betting on how this is going to come out? Or is everybody watching this transmission at home relatively powerless to craft the outcome in our own minds? Relatively powerless. Well, it's a powerful step to watch truth-seeking media. That's a very powerful step. It's a powerful step to commit to become a delegate and take 24 hours a year to determine the future outcome of the world. That's pretty powerful. But what's the most powerful thing that I can do? I can be good. I can confront my own addiction to sin. I can seek healing for that that inside me, which is not righteous. I know right from wrong. Tanner, good morning. Good morning, Mr. Do you know Tanner. right from wrong? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Would you say most of the doomers know right from wrong? I feel like everybody kind of has a sense of right and wrong, yeah. Then why are we doing wrong? Uh, just being convinced that <clears throat> it's actually good. You know, when evil is good, that's the prophecy of uh, the end times. I'm not going to get prophetic. I'm, I think what Tanner said, he may have, did you know exactly what you're saying or did that come out by accident? No, I, I didn't know that it was a sign of the end times, but no, that's, that's actually just what you observe is that people are doing wrong, but they, it's been served on a plate that it's actually good. Isn't that interesting? What kind of ideology would be benefited from reversing a tradition that goes back 6,000 years? Who came up with in the last 100 or 200 years, or four or 500 years, if you want to be serious about it, because things go step by step. Step. Who came up with this philosophy that overturns love your neighbor as you'd like your neighbor to love you? Who came up with this idea? I mean, we, these are questions inquiring minds want to know. Well, let's line up by name. Let's line up by name. Let's let's get into today's um, material and the first clip, because you know, we're going to have clips and shorts, and the clips are going to be posted all over the social media, and we want you to take and send this out. You know, uh, just three months ago or four months ago, I didn't have any social media pages. I wasn't podcasting. We're on episode, what is this, 62 today, did yeah, I say? 62. I'm ep- I've done this 62, I do two a week, so it's four months. Four months. One, two, three, four. Five months ago, I didn't have a social media page. I didn't have a single follower. I'm closing in on a thousand followers here on YouTube, and thank you. And Free People Radios has hundreds of thousands of followers, soon to be millions. And while we have the opportunity to broadcast, we're going to do it. And our hope is my hope. My hope is in the Lord, because I know for a fact I'm being surveilled. I have. Agents in my live chats. I have agents coming into my life. Spies. Spies seeking a way to indict me. Well, let me tell you, Mr. and Mrs. Spy. 
I am absolutely a believer in the Constitution of the United States. My business is absolutely legal. I don't steal a penny. I give charity. I try with all my strength and all my might and all my soul to render unto Caesar what's due to Caesar and to render unto the Lord what's due to the Lord. So if you're coming around here looking for a way to trip up Professor Penn, why don't you come meet me? We'll talk about it because, you know, you've come before. It's not the first time. You see, I'm not afraid of you because you've come before. And guess what? I was exonerated. You know, this lawfare thing, like President Trump is suffering, the more prominent we get, the more resistance we're going to encounter. We are to be frightened by what we see. But how I look at it is, what do I got to lose? Because I got the memory of my people all being killed. So, you know, if I'm out here fighting and, and, uh, and proclaiming what I think is truth-seeking, and you are listening to me, all the people that are in the live chat that I know by name, LW and Gabriel, all these people, and I'm, I mean, there's so many names to mention, and I appreciate your viewership so much. Each one of you, like I've got somebody, I can't even, I think it's Sphinx Chat. I mean, I've got people that are actually reposting Patriots of Liberty or Shepherds of Liberty, people that are out there reposting, taking the material, and they have thousands of followers. And we're spreading this out, and this is going on. And, you know, we have our little line of country, which is we're a political podcast, and we're trying to get organized as free people of America because we have a very political goal. But we also are trying to, you know, broadcast the truth, which is, I think, critical because it's really a, an info, an information conflict, and we have so many people that have not yet heard truth-seeking media. Tanner, before you started hanging around with us, did you have this level of insight like you have now? I've always had the hunger to know. I've always been very skeptical of everything, but you guys have been the outlet that's like laid it out for me in an easy to way or easy to understand kind of way. I don't if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And every time you talk like this, I like your parents more and more. Yeah, they did a pretty good job. Well, let's talk about line up by name. So we got a drama going on in the House of Representatives. Now, this is something that Professor Penn has been all over. Go back and take a look at, on YouTube, my piece, Lie to Me, because we have Congressional District 6, our representative here, Representative Tom Emmer, who's the House Majority Whip. The Whip, he's the number three guy uh, in a Republican majority House who stood up in front of me. I'm going to talk about me because I, I personally met him and we talked. I listened to him talk about it. A crock of bullshit that's just legendary. Just legendary. That the debt ceiling agreement that was passed four months ago was the greatest cut to spending in American political history. Yet here we are just four months later with another trillion dollars plus of debt, and we're having a, a debt ceiling throwdown in the House. And over the weekend, the government was going to shut down. Of course, this is all political theater. It's theater. All of it is theater, 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 theater. These guys have script writers, and they get together, and they put together a script just like I'm holding this script. I know what I'm going to say. 
generally speaking, because I've thought it through. And so has our Congress, because a bill passed four months ago that built into it the potential for what was passed over the weekend, a continuing resolution, which continues the funding for the government for another 45 days. And when they finally break down and they cannot pass the bills that are required to fund the government, that bill's going to kick in because it's law, and they're going to cut $800 million from the next year's budget. And that budget is a Democrat budget passed under Speaker, ex-Speaker Pelosi. It's a $6 trillion monstrosity that was passed during the height of the COVID emergency, continuing unabated, even though we have a Republican House, which tells me what? Well, they say, oh, we got to work together, and we have, uh, you know, I listen to Tom Emmers say we've got, you know, just one branch of government, and we got really just basically a little bit more than one half of one branch of government, and they have all of these equivocations about why they're spending us into oblivion. And when I say oblivion, the debt's $33 trillion. The interest on the debt is almost a trillion dollars a year. We're going broke as a country. So there's a handful of people that are American patriots. And, you know, hey, I don't care if they're Democrats or Republicans. And, you know, some of them have all kinds of bizarre trailing liabilities as politicians. Great. Fantastic. He who is without the stone, without sin, he who is without sin casteth the first stone. Every one of these people, including Professor Penn, has got a history that's got problems. I mean, that's just the way it is. I'm watching the media. I've never seen, other than President Trump, and we're going to talk about this today, such a coordinated effort to cast people that have a very simple request. Please don't destroy the currency of the United States through borrowing. It's very obvious to me. Now, I don't know how many of you operate businesses. You operate a checkbook. Tanner, can you spend beyond your means? What do you mean by that? Can you spend more money than you have? Oh, yeah, I could go get a credit card. Okay, what happens when you use that up? I go. I don't know. There's a limit, isn't there, yeah. out there somewhere? You know, we're the world reserve currency until we're not. When the dollar is no longer the world reserve currency, and, of course, all the countries of the world that are not aligned with the United States are working to knock the dollar off the kingpin throne because we're exporting our inflation to the world. And what is inflation? It's a robbery of the people. It's a hidden tax. And so we have a handful of representatives in our Congress that are standing up and screaming, no, stop, we're going broke, because here's what they fear. They fear the collapse of the U.S. dollar and the imposition of a central bank digital currency, which will herald in the technocracy and the end of human freedom in the United States. They don't say it plainly like that because that's still considered conspiracy theory. You know, like the lone gunman theory was uh, the prevailing idea with Kennedy until it wasn't, and the prevailing idea with Martin Luther King until it wasn't, and the prevailing idea with Robert Kennedy until it wasn't. You know, it's always a conspiracy theory until it's a conspiracy fact. And you don't have to look very hard to learn about this conspiracy 
because I keep saying your government publishes what it's doing every day, unless it's top secret, in something called federalregister.gov. You can go put into your browser federalregister.gov, and there's a search engine at the Federal Register, and put in CBDC or digital currency, and you'll see how far we are down the road to the imposition of a digital currency. That means that the dollars in your pocket become worthless. Well, they're pieces of paper anyhow. They don't have a lot of worth. They only have the worth we ascribe to them. Their worth is based upon the work and the taxes that I, as an American citizen, am going to pay. But there's a limit to how far you can tax a population. These people are standing up and saying, we're at the limit. I agree with them. But the effort to demonize Matt Gates as an extremist, we're going to talk about this today, and he may have done all kinds of terrible things personally. I don't know Matt Gates. They're going to turn this guy into a complete demon because he's standing up and he's saying, quit destroying the economy of the United States. The inflation is caused by deficit spending. It's not caused by anything else. It's not caused by supply chains or COVID. It's caused by spending more money than we have because we print money we don't have. We increase the money supply, and that makes everything worth less and eventually worthless. First it's worth less, and then it's worthless. The The word is very interesting. Think of the word worthless. First, it's worth less, and then it's worthless. That's where we're headed. And these people are standing up and fighting. Well, what happened here in Minnesota? My line of country. Well, Amy Klobuchar came out with a tweet, and she was so proud that this continuing resolution was passed. And she tweeted out, Congress came together in a bipartisan way, in other words, a uniparty way, to avoid a shutdown that would have delayed military pay. Got to put those veterans first. Put those veterans first because, of course, we're an empire. You've got to got out of the vet. We can all come together on these veterans, right? And the active military. Got to pay the military. Pause. Life-saving research. Oh, my gosh. If we hadn't funded the government, the universities wouldn't have got their money to do life-saving research. You know, Amy Klobuchar, you bullshit artist, most of the research is life-taking research. But see, she lies. She's right out there in the uni party with Tom Emmer. They're best buds, as we're going to see in a minute. So we've got to fund our military, which is our empire, which is dropping a bomb every two seconds and killing people all over the world. That's you and me. That's us. Two, she's saying, oh, we're going to pause life-saving research. There's another bullshit story. I'm going to swear today. Be a lot of beeping. Because I'm pissed. These people lie. When will you and me go out in the streets and put pressure on these people to tell the truth? Because until we're in the political parties and there's a downside for them because they don't fear the people, we fear them. Isn't that a little backwards? Aren't our elected leaders to fear the people? Why do the people fear the government? What kind of scam are we putting up with here? And, of course, it would have been catastrophic for our economy 
to borrow and spend more money. Okay, miss globalist, miss the end of the United States, miss open borders, miss unrestricted, unfettered scientific research. This person sucks. And then she had to end with something that just sums it all up. Tonight, I voted to keep our government government open and our economy strong. This is a quote from Klobuchar. And my support for Ukraine is unwavering. Well, that's great because the Ukrainian army is now collapsing. The Ukrainian army is now surrendering en masse. And we're right on the verge of a Ukrainian collapse. So what are you going to do, Senator Klobuchar? What are you going to do? Are you going to escalate this war into a nuclear war? Let's play a little bit over. There's a three-minute clip. Let's look at Let's look at the smiley faces that are leading us to death. Welcome back to day one of the great Minnesota get-together. Feeling pretty good yeah, out does. here this morning. Not so hot as it was yesterday. Look, we know the State Fair is an incredibly popular place for politicians as well. Many have booths, of course. They're the perfect time to connect with Minnesotans yes. all across the state. Mm -hmm. And joining us now this morning, the one and only Senator Amy Klobuchar. Thanks for coming out. Well, thanks for all your enthusiasm <laughs> at 6 We got to bring it, right? Yeah, There's I only know. One. I'm ready. I'm going to go over to the Hamlin Dining Hall. Of course. Church Center there and have a Holy Hamloaf, new food, new food, old place. Okay, be there. Okay, we want to talk to you about the fair, but first, before we get into that, we know uh, former President Donald Trump turning himself in today in uh, Georgia. Any comment on that for us? Uh, you know, this is the law, and in America, uh, the president's not king; the law is king. And this are serious allegations, and they will play themselves out in court. It's not to me. You let the courts do their work, you let the process go through. And in this case, it's about an election. And I was there on January 6th, or a lot of discussion about it, the Republican debate last night, how Mike Pence did his job. I was there with Mike Pence, Democrat, Republican, as we walked through the hallway with the young women carrying these electoral ballots to yeah. the end. And we had to make sure that democracy prevailed, regardless of who won. This is about how our democracy works. So I think it's just interesting, the fact that it was a Republican Secretary of State down in Georgia. Georgia. Mm -hmm. um, there are many Republican witnesses in that case, so we'll see what happens. Stop, please. There were many uni party witnesses in that case. Please continue. I'm thinking about families, of course, back to school time. And inflation is still a huge concern. What do you say to families who are still struggling to get by right now? We've got to bring costs down for people. And uh, we have seen some reductions in inflation. But what I hear, I visited over 25 counties in Minnesota. It's one of the focuses of our fair booth at uh, Underwood and Judson, uh, which is not to, you know, bringing costs down and cutting through red tape for people. That means things like childcare means things like housing. It means uh, bringing down the cost of prescription drugs. I have a Stop, uh, please. Opinion. Listen to what this dunce, this dunce. This idiot, this killer, is saying to you that we need more government to bring down inflation. This is Orwellian. This is Orwellian. Peace is war. Inflation is solved by more government spending. We cannot allow ourselves to be lied to like this anymore or they will kill us. Please continue.
He's today in the Star Tribune talking about the work. We're finally going to get Medicare to be able to negotiate lower prices for our seniors on blockbuster drugs. This has been a ridiculous situation. The prices are locked in. It's one of the driving forces between high costs and health care. So those are things I'm working on. And mostly, I love serving the people of Minnesota. And you got to have their back. And you got to listen. And that's why you go out to all the states. Okay, turn her off. I can't take her anymore. Do I seem mad? I'm furious. The, you know, when you study this every day like I do, you reach these nodes of frustration that become so epic that you have a hard time restraining yourself because I understand this. This typifies everything. We're going to lower inflation with more spending. It's The meek will inherit the earth. That's all I can say to myself. Speaking of the uni party, just so you know, if you're a Republican here in Minnesota, I'm going to a Republican event tonight with alleged Republicans. They're not Republicans. They're uni party participants. We have eight congresspeople here in Minnesota. We got four Democrats and four Republicans. I should say eight uni party members. All four Republicans supported the continuing resolution. That would be Tom Emmer. First, the leader of our congressional delegation here, of course, Mr. Emmer, Fishback, Stauber, all of them, all of them voted, all four of them voted, Finstad, Yes, I remember all your names. I hope all your political people are watching me because I am encouraging every Minnesotan citizen to go to caucuses on February 27th. It's very simple. Go to caucuses, get elected as a delegate. When your congressional district convention comes up, just vote for someone else, someone that's not totally full of like these people. Because we had eight. Four Democrats and four Republican members of the Uni Party and two Democrat senators, Tina Smith and Amy Klobuchar, all 10 of them supported the continuing resolution in the great political theater that we're watching on television because they're just selling soap and weapons and drugs because we're tuning in. It's such good television. We need a real difference in our politics. We need a group of people that are not co-opted by the Uni Party. Let's think about Royce White for Senate in Minnesota against Amy Klobuchar. Let's get out and be Royce White delegates. Hey, you know what? You're looking for a perfect politician, right? Right? You want Jesus Christ to come back and lead the charge, right? That's who you're waiting for on the bench there? How about just someone that tells the truth? Let's find truth-seeking politicians, not people that stand up in front of me and lie to me. Tired of it. I'm tired of it. Are you tired of it? If you're tired of it, get off the couch and get in the game. I'm really mad about this. I'm sorry. When I see it, well, let's let's talk about what happens when you get in the game. Can we start on the mega Republican segment? Oh, no. Before we get there, I got to just say, before we get to the punchline, You know, all over the world, there's turmoil. 
turmoil in our governments, turmoil in the governments all over the world, the government of Poland that supports the Ukraine is on the verge of being voted out. Because guess what? The Polish people have a border with the Russians, and they're saying, whoa, we don't want to die for a bunch of crazy bald heads. Let's get rid of these people. They're out in the streets in the millions. Go look it up. Slovakia voted for a nationalist leader over the weekend. They're pulling out. They're out of this coalition of the willing, as our beloved President Bush called it. See how far we've come? And I like to say this. If you voted for George W. Bush, W, raise your hand. See, nobody can see you. Raise your hand high. You're sitting alone. You know, you Republicans out there, love you. You voted for Bush? Hey, you might as well vote for Klobuchar or Biden. They're the same people. The coalition of the willing is falling apart all over the world. I can see it. If you'd read the Federal Register, you'll be able to see The turmoil. You know what? Pop this thing in. Freedom Caucus on impeachment under turmoil. Let's look at a little turmoil. Yes, ma'am. Let's ask, what actual evidence do you have as opposed to allegations to show to the American public that would merit an actual impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden and prove that today isn't just about some of you? Oh, I don't know. McCarthy for the sake of enacting political revenge. Uh, this isn't about political revenge. We have the bank accounts. We can see. Ma'am, you can see that the homes that the Bidens own can't be afforded on a, on a congressional or Senate salary. You also understand that it's not normal for family members to receive millions of dollars from overseas interests. Those things aren't normal. That's not normal to have 20 shell country, companies. These things are not normal, and it alludes to not only just widespread corruption, but money laundering, if not influence peddling itself. And we also have the president, the vice president at the time on record saying that the prosecutor was fired. Well, son of a the prosecutor was fired, right? Because the prosecutor was going after the, the company that his son was working on. That's what we have. If you can't see that, if you are, if you are that blunt, look, I'll turn it over to the attorneys. That's good. Got a little taste for that? That's over the Biden impeachment inquiry in the House. It's not about revenge. I, you know, there's four street corners. You can see things from your own perspective. That's fine. That's fine. I'm sure taking in tens of millions of dollars um, is perfectly harmless. Hey, I wish Professor Penn could just give a call to the mayor of uh, Moscow and because I'm such a great guy, <clears throat> you know, they'd send me three million bucks. That'd be great. I'd love that. That'd be great. This is not just happening in this country. <clears throat> the Polish government's on the verge of collapse. It's going to get voted out. The Slovakian government voted out. Governments all over the world are divided against themselves because the fault line, the real fault line, the people that really know what's going on, which is the fourth industrial revolution is here, and how it's going to affect the people is one of two ways. It's either going to il il uplift and ennoble every American citizen by enhancing their well-being, or it's going to enslave us and kill us. Hey, you know what? That's very simple. And people are getting this in government. The government is not our government, the United States government. We just saw it with the Attackums thing. Remember the Attackums cruise missiles? 
First they were going to give them, then they weren't going to give them, then they're going to give a few of them. That bleed out into media belies the conflict in the military about giving the Ukrainians cruise missiles that can strike into the heartland of Russia. Because guess what? There are people in our government with children that don't want to see them killed. Hey, if you're in the government and you know you're participating in policies that lead to death, maybe you're ready to stand up and exercise your right as an American citizen. You know, there were so many Nazis that showed up after World War II and said, I was just following orders. I was just following orders. Well, that's a pregnant silence for you to think through. If I have a listener or a viewer that's in the American government or the Canadian government or the Mexican government, the people in government know more than the civilians what's going on. All over the world, there's purges. Let's just talk about China for a second. These are the, no, I'm not saying these people are good, bad, or indifferent. I don't know. But in the last few months, Li Shangfu, defense minister, I'm talking about their top dude in the defense department, the head of military, the guy that, you know, started out as a private, well, he probably went to the West Point of China, but whatever. He worked his way all the way up to the top, disappeared disappeared. Qin Gong, top of the foreign ministry, you know, the State Department. So this is the top of the military, like General Milley or C.K. Brown, like C.K. just disappears. And uh, Anthony Blinken just disappears. Qin Gong disappeared. Zhao Yaqing, industry ministry, like the Department of Commerce, disappeared. Li Yuchao and Zhu Zhangbo, in charge of NASA, the, the, the Chinese NASA. These people disappeared, disappeared. I mean, disappeared. they do things a little different in China, right? It's a totalitarian regime. They have a different way of doing things. They do things in a Chinese way. Well, we do things in an American way. We've got a impeachment inquiry now about President Biden and his activities. We've got President Trump going before a, you know, courts all over the country. This is called things falling apart. And when uh, Senator Klobuchar stands in front of the American people and says these are serious things, you know, let the process play out. Uh, you know, I know a few relatively conservative attorneys. I wouldn't call them conservative. I would call them relatively conservative because you're only good or bad by comparison. You know, my mother was a lawyer. Go to law school. If you're, I've got a daughter, beautiful daughter. She wants to go to law school. What do you think they're going to teach her there? The law of the Lord or the law of the, you know, the uh, uni party? You know, the law is a weapon that can be wielded in the hands of the believer or in the hands of the unbeliever. And that's what's happening. The law has become Darwinist, for lack of a better term. In fact, you could say the law is Darwinist. So all over the world, if you, go, if you look, like in Brazil, after Bolsonaro lost the last election, the Brazilians stormed the Brazilian uh, state house and capital the same way the J6 people stormed it here. I mean, it's breaking down, okay? It's breaking down.
we're losing our congruity. We've always had marginalized groups that spoke out against the orthodoxy. But right down the center of things, things are split 50-50 all over the world. All over the world. I spoke to a daughter of mine yesterday. I have four daughters. My edu- One of my already finished daughters, educated, University of Chicago, brilliant girl, called me, and I, I was happy she called me, and I love her, and she said, Dad, uh, you're not talking about climate change enough. Well, we talk about climate change all the time, the long con, but I want to say she brought a very good point up, and I've said it. Maybe she didn't hear it. We do have climate problems. We do. I agree with my daughter. We have climate issues and environmental issues that threaten the lives of the American people that are contrary to the idea of human well-being. I just have a very simple solution. Instead of aggregating power into globalist structures that reduce the humanity to slavery, how about empowering individual citizens to make their own choices about the climate I'd like to have solar panels on my house. I'd like to have geothermal heat. I would like to have uh, my own septic and my own well. Why do I have to be hooked up to the city and dependent on the city? Why couldn't we use this node to deconstruct dependency and enhance self-governance? Why couldn't we do that? Why couldn't we as American citizens demand it? I'd love to participate in making a more well-being culture. It would be based on my self-governance, not on me giving over my self-governance to technocrats that live in Brussels or wherever they're going to put this new world governance in New York City. All right, now let's see what happens when people talk like this. Let's pop up this thing about the mega Republicans. Let's start at 1525, please. 1525. We'll stop a little bit. We'll meander through this. And we'll uh, take a look at this. This is terrifying. And there's something dangerous happening in America now. There's an extremist movement that does not share the basic beliefs in our democracy. The MAGA movement. Not every Republican, not even a majority Republican. Can we stop, please? Let's just call out the BS as we go on. 75 million people voted for Donald Trump in the last election cycle. The Republican Party, the Uni Party, of which I am an officer, approached me personally to get my commitment. I'm talking about a national committee man trying to get my commitment not to support Trump. Uh, Trump has overwhelming support in Minnesota among the Republicans. The number of Republicans that do not support Trump, even in Minnesota, is teeny tiny. But here we have the president standing in front of the American people at an event honoring John McCain, who was in a death match with Trump, saying that the majority of Republicans don't support the nationalist movement. Let's not call it the Trump movement. Let's not call it the MAGA movement, because these these words are smeared. Let's call it, I'm going to call it for myself, and if anybody wants to follow me, I call it the nationalist movement. Nationalism has a bad name. It's been painted with the brush of Nazism and fascism. But there's, that's a scam. Nationalism means I want to have a country. I do not want open borders. I do not want to aggregate my governance into internationalist, globalist structures. I want my governance to be in my neighborhood. 
That's its very simple concept. Let's continue. Extremist ideology. I know because I've been able to work with Republicans my whole career. But there's no question that today's Republican Party is driven and intimidated by MAGA Republican extremists. Stop again. It's politics. Nobody is trying to intimidate anyone in the Republican Party. Quite the contrary. It is the establishment trying to intimidate and threaten Professor Penn. And I've been, th- I've been attacked physically. I've been threatened. I've been lied about. And all I say to these people, can we go out for coffee, please, Mary Amlo? Would you please go out for coffee with me? I'll never sit down and have a cup of coffee with you, she said to me. Well, how are we going to have any dialogue when one group refuses to talk to the other group that's coming in with the best of intents to make a well-being society? We're not radicals. We're not revolutionaries. We're American citizens. And we're in the Republican Party to serve our communities. Please continue. Same agenda, if carried out, would fundamentally alter the institutions of American democracy as we know it. My friends, they're not hiding their attacks. They're openly promoting them, attacking the free press as the enemy of the people, attacking the rule of law as an impediment, fomenting voter suppression. Stop, please. You can go back several. Uh, and Tanner, we should probably play this again. If you looked at the free press, the illusion of choice, who owns the press, how many companies own virtually all of the media, and the curated and very controlled messaging that comes forward. Well, I mean, I don't know. I, it, I, we're truth-seeking. We're truth-seeking. If there's press that purveys ideas, ideologies, and, um, and messaging that's not truth-seeking, but that is propaganda-inducing, uh, well, we can still call it the free press. Let's continue. An election subversion. Did you ever think we'd be having debates in your stage of your careers where banning books, banning books and burying history? Stop again. Uh, let's not question any past elections here at the Professor Penn Podcast. Let's talk about automatic voter registration and the giving of driver's licenses to illegal aliens. If you're an American citizen and you realize that politics is a rough-and-tumble sport, and you want to do something that is really salient to maintaining your freedom, get involved on an absentee ballot board. That's the new fault line. For the 2024 election. Please continue. Can I actually add something real quick? Please. I just want to say that it is crazy to me that the Biden administration, they are so good at playing the victim and twisting anything. Because like the book banning thing he just said, at least to my knowledge, the only book bannings that like Republicans have like done isn't a ban at all. It's saying, hey, these books are inappropriate for young kids. Let's not have it in school libraries. And And he's saying we're erasing history, but then... The Biden administration is constantly trying to make us forget about past history by swapping out different subjects for history. It's it's mind blowing that they I play can't a even get to it all. It's not that I didn't notice it. Yeah, what he's what he is capitalizing on is the images we've played here in the podcast of the Nazi Party burning philosophical books of great impact written by Jewish 
Jewish authors in the 1930s, and he's saying book burning, and here you are, the father of, I think, a four-year-old daughter? Yeah, she's about four. And you're saying, wait a second. Why are these sexualizing books in school libraries? You're asking yourself the question. Yeah, and well, nobody's even saying ban the book. They're just saying don't have it in a school library because it's not the setting. You, you're not going to walk into a school library and find a porno magazine. So if we've drawn that line, why is it wrong drawing another line? I, I just, it blows my mind. Let's continue. Everybody's mind is blown. Congress more determined to shut down the government to burn the place down than to let the people's business be done. Stop. Nobody wants to burn it down. This is, of course, and we're going to talk about why this, because he didn't write this speech. Oh, 100%. Okay, I mean, we know who wrote it. That's where we're heading with this podcast today. Who's writing these speeches? Burn it down? No, the American nationalists do not want to burn down the government. They simply want to maintain the conditions for a republic in human freedom and human well-being. That does not include burning down. That includes building up. Please continue. Jerry, this is not hyperbole. I've said it for the last two years. It's the strongest military in the history of the world. Not just the strongest. Stop again. So in the middle of him burning down the mega Republicans, making accusations about book banning or burning, and the mega Republicans are a danger, and they're, you know, all the all of a sudden we're going to have a huge pitch about how great we are as the empire. We're the empire. That's who. That's what they're saying. In other words, Professor Penn is getting in the way of the empire. I'm getting in the way of the empire. Please continue. The world, the most diverse, the most powerful in the history of the world, and it's being accused of being weak and woke by the opposition. One guy in Alabama is holding up the promotion of every hundreds of these officers. Frankly, these extremists have no idea what the hell they're talking about. I'm serious. Stop. Frankly, these ideas have no idea what the hell they're talking about. Well, President Biden, come on the podcast. Make me a superstar. I'd love to talk to you. In fact, I'll talk to any uniparty people. Klobuchar, uh, right on down. Tina Smith, David Han, Alex Plekish. Any of you people are welcome to come on this broadcast. Barb Sutter, Randy Sutter, I'd be happy to talk to any of you in a substantive and responsible and respectful way in the hopes that we can move the ball up the field. We do know what we're talking about and broad brushing us as if we're idiots. Come on. Did we grow up past high school? Na 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 boo boo. Come on. Really? Let's go on here. The defeated former president expressed when he was in office and believes applies only to him. And this is a dangerous notion. This president is above the law, no limits on power. Trump says the Constitution gave him, quote, the right to do whatever he wants as president, end of quote. 
I've never heard a president say that in jest. Not guided by the Constitution or by comment, service, and decency toward our fellow Americans, but by vengeance and vindictiveness. We see the headlines. Quote, sweeping expansion of presidential power. The goal to, quote, alter the balance of power by increasing the president's authority over every part of the federal government, end of quote. What do they intend to do once they erode the constitutional order of checks and balances and separation of powers? Limit the Stop, please. I, I don't, and I would not support, I would not support any erosion of the constitutional checks and balances which create the conditions for a republic and for a free people. I support the rigorous maintenance of the checks and balances, and part of that is a two-party system where there's a difference between the two parties. And what is President Trump and the nationalist movement proposing? A radical restructuring of government because the government has become a leviathan that has brought us $33 trillion in debt. It, we're becoming debt slaves. So the fastest and easiest way to deal with it is to shrink the size of government, which, of course, which of course Amy Klobuchar and uh, uh, Dr. Morrison and all of the people that are in the Democrat Party from the local governance all the way up to the presidency want the government to expand infinitely. And that would be the end of human freedom. Please continue. Federal agencies, put them under the thumb of a president. Give the president the power to refuse to spend money that Congress has appropriated if he doesn't like what it's being spent for. Not veto, he doesn't like what it's being spent for, it's there. Get rid of long-standing protections for civil servants. Remember what he did, he's leaving office, he imposed a new thing, the civil Stop, service. Stop, please. Yes. Let's have the power as the American people to get rid of a government in the places where it's oppressive and creating the conditions for debt slavery. I'm okay with that. I hope you're okay with it. You know, I have a business. There's people in my business that got to go, not doing the job. They're just standing around killing the grass or worse yet, they're gumming up the works. Now, my mother used to say the government's not like a business. Okay, she's right. There's elements of it that's not like a business. But there's large elements that are just like a business, and $33 trillion in debt proves it. It proves it. Well, we could continue here. I urge all of you to go and find these remarks that Biden made on the uh, opening of the John McCain Library and Archives in Arizona. This is from this past week. What do I take out of this? Mega Republicans, dangerous, extremist, and it's an extremist ideology. They attack the free press as the enemy of the people. The mega Republicans are fomenting voter suppression and election subversion. Ha ha! Banning books and burying history. Ha ha! They want to burn down the place. Another ha-ha. And he's sitting here pitching the military in the middle of it because we're supposed to be proud and come together. 
because we're running an empire where we're dropping a bomb every two seconds. Well, that really shows our moral authority. This president is above the law talking about Trump. Hey, this president is under investigation when in, in an impeachment inquiry. You know, please go watch it. Please go watch it. Now, how does this happen? He didn't write this. He didn't write it at all. Let's see who wrote this. Play this piece under the Alinsky, please. Joe Biden, for his inaugural address, gave a speech that would go down in history. The entire world was moved by the rewriting speech delivered by the 46th President of the United States of America. But as it turns out, this historic speech was penned down by an Indian origin speechwriter, Vinay Reddy, who is now the speechwriting director of the White House. His family has shifted from Karimnagar district of Telangana as his father, Narayana Reddy, had migrated to the United States. Vinay's father belongs to Pothi Reddy Peta, village of Hazurabad, and the village is extremely proud of all Vinay has achieved. Vinay is born and brought up in the US and studied at Ohio State University where he pursued law. Previously, he was a speechwriter for the US Environmental Protection Agency along with the US Department of Health and Human Services. During the recent polls, Vinay worked as a translator for Kamala Harris, who is now the vice president, and as a speechwriter for Biden. He is the first ever Indian American who has been taken on the position of a presidential speechwriter. It's not just a village in Telangana, but the entire nation is proud of Vinay. I'm not here to beat on Vinay Reddy, but uh, Ohio State University became a lawyer. For anybody that's out there that's going to get down on him because he's an Indian American, Hey, the Nazi party's right down the block, okay? It has nothing to do with him being an Indian American. It has to hit, do with him being an educated American because he's been educated in the halls of the most Darwinist institutions in our country. He believes in Darwinism. He just maybe doesn't interpret it that way for himself, but he's been enculturated and acculturated into a political culture that views Christianity and nationalism as dirty words. And our, the current political elites are dedicated to merging the idea of Christianity and nationalism into one concept called Christo-nationalism, and they have identified the Christo-nationalists as the fundamental problem with America. So if they can get that accomplished and make the mega Republicans, they should just say Christians. Come on. Have some balls, would you? Grow a set of balls. Vinay, just lay it out there. That's why they have speechwriters. They kind of, uh, it's like an advertising agency, right? What they're really saying is if you believe in God and you believe in the United States of America, you're a danger to America. That's like Amy Klobuchar saying we need to spend more money to get rid of inflation. I mean, this is pure Orwellian language. It's pure Orwellian script. It's purely Orwellian. So go back and read your George Orwell because that'll give you some uh, artistic insight into the world we're living in. And for people that are really hip to it, it's painful. 
I mean, this stuff's just painful for me. It's just purely painful because I know I love God. I know I love the country. I know I love my family. I know I'm working for the well-being of the American people, and I'm an extremist. I'm an extremist why? Because I want a balanced budget? I'm an extremist because I want a balanced budget. I'm an extremist because I want to reel in empire and quit killing people under the name of the guise of democracy. I'm an extremist because I want to reframe the climate issue from global governance to individual sovereignty. That makes me an extremist. I'm not saying there's not climate issues. I'm saying why do the climate issues have to aggregate power in the hands of technocrats? Why can't individual? Well, why do they look at me as being an idiot? Why am I viewed as, as an idiot, as an extremist, uneducated? I am educated. And there's millions of people in the nationalist movement that are educated. That's why there's such an effort being made to label us as being idiots, because it's not an idiot movement. It's an ideological movement that's based in a philosophy. And guess what the philosophy is? It's called the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution of the United States. We study those documents with the intent to learn from them, with the intent to strengthen them. And I say all the time for the people that, you know, are anti-Semitic, you know, racist, homophobic, xenophobic, get out of the Republican Party. Get out of the Uni Party. Get out of the Uni Party. Go join the Nazi Party. Go express yourself with the swastika in your arm. Or as the Ukrainians do, with Arun. Go ahead. Let's get serious. Get out of the parties. We are not a party of hate. We are a party of love. We're not a party of strength. We're a party of the meek. We love one another. We care about each other. Of course, they're going to do everything they can to vilify people that believe in God and believe that they need to treat one another with love. That's not their philosophy. Their philosophy is to use that and then continue to deficit spend, continue inflation, and, you know, we're going to start looking at the net worth of these people. On the next podcast, we're going to start looking at who these people are. Now, it's very hard to determine the net worth of a, of a politician. I don't have their financial statement. I don't have it. I have to go what's publicly available. They could lie. But one thing is clear. These people come into power either enormously rich, like Pritzker in Illinois, or they come in enormously poor, like Tom Emmer here in Minnesota. And a few years later, these people are doing great. They're doing great. They're worth tens of millions of dollars. How did that happen? I'm a good businessman. I know how to make money. I can't make money in this environment, but our elected leaders seems to be, they're getting wealthier and wealthier. Oh, it's a good job. Hey, you know what? Maybe I should run for Congress because secretly I want to make a lot of money. And there's going to be people that say I'm doing this to make money. I'm, if I wanted to make money, you wouldn't know my name. I'm risking everything I have to talk to you and to build a community with you, because they're already surveilling me. They just are. I mean, it's just the way it is. And they have lawfare. You know, they have, you know, debanking, deplatforming. They have so many tools at their disposal to torture anyone 
That's truth-seeking. No, I'm not going to give, myself personally, I'm not going to give them one easy play on me because I've been in business for a long time and I just follow the law. In fact, you could say I love the law. I have a mother who's an attorney after all. I don't hate attorneys. I love the law. Why? Because the law is based in the law. That would be the Ten Commandments. And as a Jewish man who follows the law, and I don't have to have a yarmulke on and, you know, filling on to follow the law. The law is in my heart. My heart. The law is in my heart. That's what God wants, for the law to be in my heart, for me to seek God with all my strength, with all my might, with all my soul, to redress my own inequity, to be honest with myself about who I am, and to accept God's path for me, to realize that God loves me. These are things people are not willing to do. They're faithless. I am not faithless, and I thank God for the faith I have because he gave it to me. And I was told, I'll share this with you. Do with this as you will. I will restore your body whole for my work and your enjoyment. That's what I was told. I took my enjoyment up front, and now I'm doing the work. How hoary and how horrible I would be if I took the enjoyment and didn't do the work. It's time for Professor Penn to pay back. I'm paying back. And I think every one of us as American citizens who have gotten tremendous benefits from this country, from our life of prosperity and peace that we've enjoyed, it's time to pay back. It's time to take 24 hours a year and become a delegate of a political party and go into the party and endorse and excuse me and vote for people and have the parties endorse politicians that have sacred honor if they get rich it's not because they were there to rob the people we're not communists if someone becomes wealthy because of their public persona they write a book or they they make appearances or they fill you know arenas that people want to come hear them we're not opposed to people uh, making money because it takes money to fuel this movement. That's why we need every one of you to support the patriot economy, to support the people and the businesses that are actually risking their businesses and their personal freedoms to support the movement. And I realize there are some fine lines in here, but to the people that I've already heard gossiping, that this is a scam that we're running here. Hey, you people, f*** off. Bleep that one. But just f*** off, okay? You horrifying, cowardly, intellectually weak, and really anti-American critics. Because what are you supporting? Globalism. You're looking for a way to discredit the nationalists any way you can, like Matt Gates. Matt Gates is going to, they're going to try to bounce him out of the Congress. And as I said, he may have done terrible things. And he or she, who was without sin, cast that first stone. 
cast that first stone. And I want to thank my, my daughter. I had two daughters talk to me this weekend. Daughters that have been, because of the Professor Penn thing, relatively estranged for me, and I get great satisfaction that my family's coming back together, and I'm going to tell you why I think that it is. Because I'm here being truth-seeking. And even the most communist of my daughters know that when I stand here before you and talk about the well-being of the people, and then I'm working with every community with all my strength to bring about a new constituency that ends manipulation, that ends lying, that ends exploitation, that ends the British business model of slavery, drugs, and piracy, which my University of Chicago graduate daughter really resonated with because she's a communist. We don't have to be communists to end that business, British, that British business model, excuse me. See, when I get mad, I sometimes can become quite inarticulate. I'm working on myself. My communist daughter really liked that, that analysis. And I say all the time, the people that we're fighting want us to be in fixed positions like, I'm a communist, I'm a capitalist, I'm a Democrat, I'm a Republican, I'm a Nazi, I'm a liberal. They want us to take fixed ideological positions while they only have one position. It's all about them. They don't care if they're Nazis or liberals or communists or Democrats. They couldn't care less. That's just a scam for them to manipulate we the people. And we're going to have to be similarly quick on our feet to defeat such well-financed and well-educated opponents. And when people say that these super wealthy have become decrepit and that they've lost it, I don't agree with that because their ideology comes right out of these intellectual institutions called our, you know, universities and colleges. And these people are smart and these people are in it for the money and they're in it to win it. And they're decades ahead of the American citizens. We're fighting yesterday's war today with no money and they're fighting tomorrow's war today with unlimited cash. Hey, you know, that's calling for David to slay Goliath. It takes a miracle. And that's why we read the Psalms. We read the Psalms because we need supernatural intervention. And I pray for that. What are the rules for going forward? I'm just going to read them. And then we're going to go out with a bunch of videos, which will be a contretemps to President Biden's speech in Arizona last week. I'll read the rules. Number one, power is not only what you have, but what the enemy thinks you have. That's very Sun Tzu. How many of us are willing to go out and protest the war in front of our local Federal Reserve Bank over the next weeks? Go out and protest. Make a peace sign. It might motivate some liberals. Number two, never go outside the expertise of your people. In other words, don't talk shit. Develop expertise in your groups, in yourself, and stay within your limits. Don't go beyond your limits. Number three, wherever possible, 
draw the opponents beyond their level of expertise. Like, for example, for my mother, who was a super peacenik, who led the anti-war movement in the 60s, who had a peace symbol on wherever she went. Where is she today? Why is she not, if she was so opposed to the military in the 60s, why is she not opposing the war in the Ukraine today? Mom, if I can pick you up and take you to the protest, please call me because I'll pick you up. We'll go together. It'd be a great way for us to love each other. Four, which is building on three, make your opponents live up to their own rule book. For you liberals out there, like my mother Barbara Penn, or my friend Ken Keller, and all the different people that I grew up with that were so opposed to the Vietnam War, where the hell are you today? Where the hell are you today? Where in the hell are you today? The leaders from the 60s that are still alive. Or are you going to clap for that waffen SS asshole that stood before the Canadian Parliament? Did you become Nazis? Because if you're not out there with those peace signs, as far as I'm concerned, you are Nazis. Number five builds on what I just said. Ridicule is my most important and potent weapon. There's no defense for ridicule. It's impossible to counterattack ridicule. If you're going to support Nazis by not protesting, you're a Nazi. You like that? You like that, 60s liberal? I know all your names. I was there with you. Where are you? Where are you now? Six, a good tactic is one we enjoy doing. Let's find things we can do as a movement that we enjoy doing. Number seven, any tactic that we do that drags on too long, hey, it's a drag. So when the meeting goes for a certain amount of time, stop. Because why would we want to drag on too long? If it's worth saying, it can be said in a couple sentences. If it drags on, we don't understand it yet. Number eight, keep the pressure on. Or in our case, let's get some pressure built. Number nine, a threat is usually more terrifying than the thing itself. In other words, these people that are surveilling me, hey, I'm legal, okay? I'm legal. I'm not afraid of you because I'm legal. And if you throw my ass in jail on trumped-up charges, what can I do about you being a tyrant? Let the people see the tyranny. Number 10, the major premise for tactics is the development of operations that will maintain constant pressure on the opposition. Please, let's start protesting peacefully. Peaceful protest, civil disobedience. Not like the clips I'm about to play for you. 11, if you push a negative hardened deep enough, it will break through. Like all you people, that I grew up with, that were so quick to protest the Vietnam War. You sons of are still alive. Where are you today? I'll pick all of you up. I'll go rent a school bus. All you people that were with my father protesting the war, what's the difference now? War is war and death is death. Where are you? I want to get a Call me. Call me. Let's get the old crew together. It'll be a geriatric crew. I get it. But hey, isn't that cool? Wouldn't it be cool 
You know, they just stuck this 98-year-old Nazi in front of the Canadian Parliament. That was powerful. How about a bunch of geriatric Vietnam War protesters will drive you there? If the price of a successful attack is is a construct, the price of a successful attack, listen, this is the key, the price of a successful attack is a a constructive alternative. I'm mad because I know we haven't got this together yet. The price of a successful attack is we have to create a policy alternative. We need policy. I'm a policy person. We don't want to burn anything down, President Biden. We want to replace policy that diminishes the American citizen and creates unhealth and death with policies that build up American citizenship and increase health and well-being. That takes work. We need policy alternatives. Number 13, like the 13 tribes. Pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. In other words, you uniparty participants in Minnesota, the eight uniparty congresspeople and the two uniparty senators, and the Democrat and Republican uniparty that they represent, I am personally affronted by your lies, by your propaganda, and your unwillingness to speak truthfully with the people of Minnesota. I'm taking it personal, I'm making it personal, and we're polarizing. We're not looking for unity, we're looking for clarity. So let's look at a few clips as we go out today from the other side, from the other street corner. Let's just bang on through these, Tanner, one after another. If we have to stop and comment, we will. Please, go through them one after another. So speaking of justice, I know that um, you attended uh, at least one, one that I know of, one where where you were caught, a BLM protest, um, kind of incognito, and you went to um, just stand in solidarity. How does that um, compare? right, to the way Donald Trump talks about Black Lives Matter as a terrorist organization. What do you say back to um, maybe some of his supporters and folks who are confused about what BLM actually stands for and what it means, especially with, um, given the fact that Patrice and Opal and Alicia were on the front uh, page or the cover of Time Magazine as um, 100 women or 100 people Mm -hmm. never changed Mm -hmm. the world. Well, and good for Time Magazine for doing that because they have. And the brilliance and the impact of Black Lives Matter um, and their brilliance in in conceiving it, um, history is gonna show was um, an inflection point in the ongoing fight for justice, to your point, and to reform the criminal. Okay, we're gonna go, we're just gonna go through because I'm making a contra temp here the president is labeling nationalists as extremists that they want to burn the place down. So here's our vice president, Camilla Harris, talking about an inflection point. Let's go on to the next piece with Congresswoman Maxine Waters. Let's remember this one. We want it done now. We're going to insist on it. If you think we're rallying now, you ain't seen nothing yet. Your cabinet uh, that have been booed out of restaurants. 
on the side of the children. Take a look at the test scores here in Minnesota about how our children are doing. Okay, let's hop to the next one because we're, we're making a contratemp now to, you know, the quote-unquote mega Republicans are extremists and we want to burn the place down. Let's take a look at some, some burning. Burn it down. Put this next one on, please. Did I see it there? This is the George Floyd protests. Of course, this was financed, not a, not organic. There was organic aspects to it. Not here to comment <clears throat> on the George Floyd issue. I'm just saying, you know, hey, things are getting burned down, aren't they? I don't see any MAGA Republicans out here. Maybe they should have been out there, which is something Royce White said recently. Where were the Republicans? I know where they were. They were home hiding. Isn't that nice? Nice scenes from Minneapolis. City's going up in smoke. And the MAGA Republicans burned the place down. Again, not commenting on the George Floyd murder. You all hear me? The George Floyd murder. I'm just saying that, hey, there's no mega Republicans out here. And there was other ways to address this situation. Let's keep going. Let's keep cranking. Let's look at the next one. Antifa. Let's make it simpler. All I'm saying is, who's burning the place down? Not making a comment. Let me make a comment. Hold on for a second. George Floyd was murdered. I, I truly believe he was murdered. And I'm very angry at the Republicans in Minnesota that want to equivocate about it. And I say this as a person who's trained and trained police in police tactics for 10 years. Worked with Minneapolis cops three times a week to help them learn how to defend themselves on the street. You don't kneel on a man's neck when he's in cuffs. It's ridiculous. Anyhow, leave that for another day. We're only talking about where's the violence coming from. Let's look at Antifa. Antifa is not a new group, but it's certainly been all over social media lately, including on the president's Twitter timeline. So what do you need to know? Let's take a closer look. 
You have probably heard the term Antifa a lot lately. Antifa. 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 President Trump recently tweeted that he is designating Antifa as a domestic terrorist organization. But what is Antifa? Who is in it? And why is the spotlight back on the group when it's been in existence for decades? Antifa, which stands for anti-fascist, is a loosely connected series of groups with shared left or extreme left ideology. They have no central governing body, no defined roles, and because of their self-admitted secrecy, it is hard to know how many people count themselves as members. Antifa supporters generally campaign, organize, and protest, sometimes violently, against actions, people, and organizations they view as promoting authoritarian, racist, homophobic, or xenophobic beliefs. Anti-fascist groups can be traced back to Europe during World War II, where grassroots, mostly underground resistance movements, fought to gain control of the continent back from Nazi Germany and fascist Italy. The modern Antifa movement gained international attention in 2011 during Occupy Wall Street, again two years later when they affiliated themselves with Black Lives Matter, and for counter-demonstrations at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia. Some Antifa groups are known for their community outreach and organizing, while others deploy often militant and radical tactics to get their message across. And without a real hierarchy or structure, Antifa is not so much an organization as a loose confederation of people with a similar ideology. Let's go right into uh, the next piece on Antifa, please. Antifa are masters at doublespeak. It goes from the name and it flows down. They call themselves anti-fascists, anything but. They're a movement made up of radical extremists, anarchists, and communists, and they're agitating for a political revolution in the United States. They truly believe that they're part of the vanguard to achieve this. And violence is not a bug, it's a feature of the movement. My name is Andy Ngo, and I'm an editor at Quillette Magazine. You might recognize me as the person who was beaten and robbed by Antifa in Portland. But what you may possibly not know is how my family's experience informs and intersects with how I cover Antifa. Both my parents are from the former South Vietnam. They actually lived through a Marxist revolution. My father, as a young man, was sent to a re-education camp. My mother, as a teenager with her siblings and entire family, were relocated to a labor camp. Antifa views the United States as an irredeemable country and concept. They abhor the principles that make up the foundations of liberal democracy. If they were to achieve their goal, there wouldn't just be the destruction of the state, there would be the silencing of all oppositional views. They're authoritarian militants who believe that only a Marxist revolution could bring about equity. In Portland, it's a progressive monoculture, and you're more likely to see open socialists and communists than you would even just a regular Republican or conservative. This context made me fascinated to want to learn more about Antifa. I knew that there was more meaning behind the street violence, and indeed, the more that I've dug into it, the more I'm disturbed by what I find. The movement as we understand it now is very young. We don't know where the funding comes from. We don't know exactly how many people is part of this movement. This requires academic research, requires research in think tanks, and it requires authorities to investigate. And that's why I'm speaking out. 
Antifa militant in Tacoma, Washington, nearby Portland, Oregon, firebombed a government facility and allegedly tried to make a 500-gallon propane tank explode. He came with a rifle and he was killed in the process. We have a casualty now and he left behind a manifesto for us to clearly see what his beliefs are. On the 29th of June, I was beaten and robbed by Antifa. They attacked and ended up with me getting diagnosed with a brain hemorrhage. I'm going to continue to suffer for some time as I work on my recovery. I wasn't the first to be beaten, and I won't be the last. Well, isn't that nice? So when I say it's dangerous, I was thinking to myself, Antifa's probably watching me. So, great. My point is not here to, to beat on Antifa. It's to say, where, where, where's the... Where's the violent MAGA Republicans? Okay, J6, great. But generally speaking, who's in the streets? Who's in the streets? We in the nationalist movement believe in peaceful protest. We believe in the constitutional process. We believe in rule of law. That's what we're trying to maintain. Well, that's not what the Democrats want to maintain. They want to change our institutions so there is no rule of law. Six to three, the Republican conservatives alleged conservative, they're attorneys after all, they're not that conservative, are in the majority on the Supreme Court. We've had a nine-member uh, Supreme Court forever. Well, guess what? The Democrats don't like the outcome, so let's just change the rules in the middle of the game. Let's look at Biden on court packing, please. Domestically, Democrats have lost the competition to control the U.S. Supreme Court. Listen, who is on your list, Joe? Mr. Biden is under pressure from his own party to consider increasing the number of justices if elected. It's called court packing. And while he's said he's no fan of the idea, he's never completely ruled it out. Judge Amy Coney Barrett is on track to become the ninth U.S. Supreme Court justice. That would give the conservatives a 6-3 majority. If elected, would you move to add more justices to the Supreme Court? If elected, what I will do is I'll put together a national commission of bipartisan commission of scholars, constitutional scholars, Democrats, Republicans, liberal, conservative. And I will uh, ask them to, over uh, 180 days, come back to me with recommendations as to how to uh, reform the court system, because it's getting out of whack, um, the way in which it's ha being handled. And it's not about court packing. There's a number of other things that our constitutional scholars have debated, and I'd look to see what recommendations that commission might make. This is a live ball. Oh, it is a live ball. No, it is a live ball. We're going to have to do that. And you're going to find there's a lot of conservative constitutional scholars who are saying it as well. The last thing we need to do is turn the Supreme Court into just a political football. Whoever has the most votes gets whatever they want. Presidents come and go. Supreme Court justices stay for generations. Let's just uh, go on now because, you know, it's uh, brick by brick, brick by brick. The battle over the Supreme Court, Democrats in the House and Senate are set to introduce a bill today that would expand the number of seats on the high court, adding four more justices. Rachel Scott is outside the Supreme Court with more details for us. Good morning, Rachel. 
Robin, good morning. This legislation would expand the number of justices from 9 to 13. Progressive Democrats say this is absolutely necessary to restore the balance to the Supreme Court. Republicans, though, already firing back, calling this an overreach. And this is a battle that has really intensified over the last several months. Democrats were frustrated when Republicans refused to even consider President Obama's pick for the bench during the 2016 election year, then to only confirm conservative justice, Justice Amy Coney Barrett to the bench, cementing the, the court's conservative majority for decades to come. But the reality here is that this legislation faces a massive uphill battle in Congress. Democrats just do not have the votes to get this passed. And it's unclear this morning if the White House is even on board with this legislation. They are declining to comment. But in the past, President Joe Biden has said he's not a fan of so-called packing the court. Instead, he has created a commission to study the structure of the Supreme Court, Robin. As you said, uphill battle. Okay, thank you, Rachel. Yeah, it's an uphill battle to change the rules in the middle of the game. These people are shameless. They're interested in overthrowing the Constitution and the Declaration, really from Professor Penn's perspective, for one reason, and I'm entitled to my street corner. Our founding documents acknowledge a creator in unalienable rights. Where our country is about individual sovereignty and individual self-governance. That is very messy and gums up the authoritarians that are running things right now. So if we're going to get anything done here, we're going to think outside the box. We're going to do things we've never done before. We're going to understand secret societies and change them. We're going to go in Minnesota on February 27th to caucuses and become delegates such that we might change these parties and actually create a choice, a choice, real choice. Not where we have all 10 members of the Minnesota delegation voting together in lockstep. And for those of you who know that term, lockstep, I'm using it quite specifically, voting together in lockstep to destroy the currency and destroy the economy and make me poor, make my kids poor. It pisses me off. You know, I try not to swear, and I'm, there's going to be a lot of swear words removed. Uh, I'm mad. This is maddening. But there's always uplift and hope. So we're going to go out a little story about where I come from. I'm going to put a couple of uh, very religious Jewish dudes up here. It's a very short song. They're called Zusha. I hope that I can get it up, that it, the thought police won't take it down. I'll bet these guys are going to let it go up. These are two super religious guys that are supposed to not share their religion with anybody but their own community. Very similar to how Bruce Lee was vilified for sharing ancient Chinese secrets with the Guaylo, with the white people. Well, here's a couple of very orthodox believers who are going to use electronic dance music to let out into the world ideas that have always, always been held within the secret society. This, for me, was a very great discovery and brings me a lot of hope, and I want to share it with you with thanks for you uh, being here today as a listener and a viewer. I enjoy the live chat. We'll see you again on Thursday. And let's go out after such a dark podcast with something that is very, very hopeful. Cue that one up, Tanner, and let's take it on out.